the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, history was made at the National Stadium on Saturday as a Fukuoka won a major trophy for the first time in their history, 2-1 over Urawa. Uh, great day for them, and uh, yeah, great for us to chat about it on this episode. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing, doing not bad, and yeah, like we said last week, both, both Fukuoka and Reds had, had different reasons for going into this clash to be full of confidence, and they were they were really looking to, to get the job done, and we were treated to a very good um, a very, very good final, and uh, I'm glad to say you know, you're about to introduce him. We've got a very good guest on this week who can help us to, to, to share in his joy, hopefully. Absolutely, yes. Without any further ado, let's welcome in Daniel Hawkins, our Fukuoka correspondent. Daniel, I'm sure, still cock-a-hoop after the events on Saturday at the National Stadium. Uh, welcome back to the pod, Daniel, and congratulations. How are you? Oh, hey, Ben. Hey, Johnny. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good, thank you. And um, thank you for having me back. I obviously didn't do too bad a job the first time. But, um, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm very happy. Um Still with a glass of wine in my hand, but um, yeah, yeah no, I'm very, very happy with how the season's gone. Absolutely tremendous stuff. And uh, well, firstly, off the top, uh, take the listeners behind the curtain here. I have to thank you both for your patience on Monday night as uh, catastrophic computer problems meant that uh, we were unable to record as scheduled. So uh, we're back on Tuesday night. The guys have uh, very graciously returned. And uh, yes, we'll do our best to round up events on Saturday at the National Stadium. And what this first major trophy means for Fukuoka as a club. But uh, Daniel, I don't know what was more excruciating for you. Uh, the, uh, the Sitting through the last 25 minutes plus a stoppage time on Saturday afternoon or the uh, embarrassingly long uh, delay I put you through last night before uh, eventually having to pull the pin. But uh, I guess you had Johnny for company for, for most of uh, last night's delay. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, unlike last night, there was a happy ending for you on Saturday as uh, Kazuya Konno, I have uh, obviously know a lot about him, uh, inspired Avispa to uh, their their miraculous win, their fantastic win, uh, with the excellent assists at uh, both ends of the first half. Yeah, I think um, I think Connor was absolutely fantastic. I've, I've been saying on the the uh, line Patron group for some time now, so I apologise. But um, I can't believe that that he that FC Tokyo let him go, and he's he's only 26, so I think he's got a lot of um, a lot of time in front of him. But he, I think he was fantastic. He, he his work. Um, his work rate and, and just what he brings to the team in terms of, sort of actually beating players and actually running with the ball. Um, I think he's, he's, a, he's a great asset and he's definitely one of my favourites already. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Johnny, I mean, it's a miraculous there. I mean, that's over-egging it a bit, I, I do realise. But, I mean, um, for Fukuoka supporters who have waited so long for this uh, for this victory, then, yeah, I don't think you can overstate how important it is to them and uh, and how wonderful a, of an occasion it was. And, yeah, I mean, Connor, uh, FC Tokyo supporters have long known how good he is, but uh, he wasn't really ever given an extended run in the team. But as Daniel said, still young enough to, to improve from here. And you can see already how much of an important player he's already become for Avispa. I saw him getting called the Hakata Messi on on, face, uh, not on uh, Facebook, on, on Twitter the, the, the day after. I had to, to chuckle at that. Obviously, that similar stature and build and a similar impact to, to this game. But I think he really kind of sums up maybe, I, I don't know if Daniel would agree about like the kind of reasons behind Fukuoka's success. As you mentioned, Ben, you know, 
FC Tokyo fans were, were well aware Kono was a good player, but a club like you know FC Tokyo, you might not get as many chances. Whereas you know, Fukuoka, you know, as good as they've been this year, uh, I think that you can get away with the odd kind of bad result. You know, we mentioned the last kind of couple of games against Marinos and, and Frontale, they, they've had some bad results, but they're kind of free to bounce back. Whereas at a club like FC Tokyo, a club like Gamba, Kashima, etc., you're going to get criticised quite heavily after one one bad result. So. I think that the manager Hasebe, he's he's not only brought in players, for example, at Maie or Murakami that he, he knew from J2, but he, he's also kind of mined that J2 field very well because he has a lot of experience there. And then also players like Kono, who I know he initially had injury problems at FC Tokyo, and then potentially his, his stature kind of puts people off a bit too. And obviously from a, from a Gamba perspective, Idiguchi was, was brilliant in this game, and I've seen calls for, for him to be recalled to the national team. And I think, you know, it's really been a, a good a good ground, I think, for, for players who, who've maybe come in slightly damaged from reputation or injury or they haven't proven themselves at J1 and they really do get the chance. There's a there's a solid game plan. It's, it's not spectacular, it's not too hard to follow, but players can fit into it. And you know, in days like this when it when it all works well, they get a goal early, they're so, so hard to break down. And you know, I think this really was it really was, you know, for, for Fukuoka fans, having you know, I mentioned like it was 16th in, in J2 in 2019, to now bounce back up to their top half of J1 and then winning their first piece of first piece of like major silverware, it really is a is a fantastic fantastic story. Absolutely. So yeah, miraculous is going a bit over the top, Daniel. But it turns out that losing your uh, your, your two previous league games heading into this. Uh, cup final and uh, conceding four in each was uh, perhaps uh, roper doping Reds into thinking it might be a bit easy for them uh, on Saturday. Of course, you'd lost uh, at home to F Marinos 4-0 in your uh, uh, the previous weekend, and then uh, before that, 4-2 to, to away at Kawasaki in the league. So um, I don't know how you actually felt heading into this this cup final. Whether you uh, were you know happy to wipe those. Um, wipe those results off the slate and and start again and hopefully uh, that the players would be able to do that as well and and as we've said yeah Konno inspired them and uh, Hiroyuki Maya such an important part of uh, Fukuoka's squad for for so many years now he ghosted into the box to uh, to to tap in a Konno cross in the fifth minute so we've given Konno his praise but uh, it's players like Maya who have stuck with. Fukuoka for so many years, so I think you you have to feel um, you know especially happy for that they've uh, they've stuck it out and they've finally been able to get their hands on a, on a, a piece of silverware. So uh, I guess the uh, the opening goal it couldn't have happened to uh, a, a better player. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go to the, the first thing you were saying. They've been around um, a couple of poor results leading up to this. I think I mean as well there was a disappointment of the the Empress Cup semi final. Um, which, which was another 4-2 loss to Kawasaki. So you're absolutely right. There was a number of sort of you know less than ideal results. I mean, I'd like to think it was part of Hasebe's plan to to lull the Reds into a false sense of security. I'd like to think that's the case. But uh, you know, I th- unfortunately, I think we we didn't sort of um, perform overly well in some of those games. So yes, I'll I'll be honest. I was a little bit nervous about about what would happen against Reds. Um, and and going to to um, Hiroyuki Mai, he, I think he's I think he's only scored once this season. Against um, against Sorezzo, so it's not you know he's obviously not someone who who scores a great deal. And, and as you say, when I watch the replay, um, he just ghosts into the box. You, if you, the angle I could see from um, from the sidelines, Connor puts a cross in, and he he just kind of at the back you can just see this player sort of 
sort of drifting along the back, back and coming in, and in the last minute, obviously getting his getting his foot in the ball. But it's great to see someone like that who, as you say, is a sort of stalwart of the team and um, who's only scored once this season. I mean, I know we'll go on to the other goal, but but um, Daiki Mia as well as, um, hasn't scored this season, so it was great to have a, a couple of players um, who. Uh, yeah, who maybe don't get as much recollect, you know, um, recognition, sorry, as, as they may deserve. Yeah, well said. And uh, Johnny, yeah, it was. Uh, we, we know Reds' uh, reputation as a, a stern defensive unit. They're the uh, they've conceded the fewest goals in J1 this season and kept the most clean sheets. But on this occasion, yeah, it was a, a bit of a breakdown. Meyer's run just wasn't tracked at all, was it? He was involved in the build-up uh, uh, alongside Yuya Yamagishi with the, the ball sent out to Konno. But yes, nobody tracked Meyer's run. And um, yeah, he was the... Uh, the the very uh, happy recipient of uh, a pinpoint condo cross. Well, it was quite quite interesting because obviously in the Levan Cup they have the under twenty one rule. So I think Reds had uh, Hayakawa who was the the new hero this year, and uh, Fukuoka had Kimia uh, Moriyama who was playing. And actually, but both of those players get subbed off at half time, which I think made a slight mockery of that that rule. But <laughs> because of that, um, Maya was well, he was he was Maya. He was he was in front of his usual position, which is usually sitting there holding with with Idiguchi and. I don't know if that's something maybe maybe Reds weren't weren't really expecting because you know you've mentioned Ben we, we've mentioned countless times in the pod how good they are defensively but you know they're, they're ball watching Schultz and Saka are really really good defenders but they are just ball watching and Maya steals in and get, gets the goal and you know unfortunately for Reds as, as we've said again countless times this season the attack is not good enough to bail out the defence if the defence it isn't isn't up to its best which it, it didn't seem to be here so. Yeah, I think you know. Again, as Daniel said, we'll come to the, the second goal in a minute. But but for for neither goal that were the Reds' defence really covering themselves in glory. There were people free getting shots in the, the six-yard box, and yeah, you did kind of wonder that uh, we're joking here about being lulled into a false sense of security. But with with all these, you know, by the time people listen to this pod, Reds may have already played Pohang and then they've got Vissel coming up. If this maybe wasn't as high a priority as it should have been, or what the preparation was like, I, I guess I think Red supporters might might have questions like that in in the wake of this result and this the defensive performance in particular. Indeed, indeed. All right then. So yeah, we we've mentioned it a couple of times. I mean, the first half, uh, Daniel, you can feel free to mention any um, major incidents that we skip over uh, along the way. But um, yeah, Mia, I know went close a couple of times. To, to scoring before he did finally add a second for Avispa deep into first half stoppage time with uh, Connor the provider again this time from the left after he'd uh, been over on that side of the pitch taking a corner um so yeah Mia I don't know it was uh, as I said he went close a couple of times it seemed like it, he was just due and um yeah Connor picked him out and uh, an, an excellent first time finish again you Maya usually a holding midfielder got the got the opening goal and Mia a central defender well his uh, his instinctive finish had the uh, the the mark of a number nine it was uh, it was terrifically well taken yeah, absolutely, and yeah, you're absolutely right. These these are two players who you wouldn't necessarily expect to to score, especially in the final. You know, you'd, I was expect I was expecting pre-game that you might have, Wellington might come on with ten minutes to go and might get the winner or something. You know, sort of something to dream of like that. So no, you absolutely wouldn't expect, or, or I would have expected bigger to score. Um, but yeah, and I, don't, I don't want to kind of keep on going about Connor too much because I know I've got a bit of a bit of a love in at the moment. But um, but just you know, as I say, just. His his ability to, and it's something which probably which Fukuoka have, have um 
have not done well over a number of seasons now is having that creativity. Um, you know, they've been strong defensively, but they haven't necessarily had the the the, um, the creativity in, you know, in the centre or out wide, especially when they lost um, Jordy Crew recently. So having Connor come in and do that, I think it, it really does it free up a lot of other players to get into positions where you know where where, where they potentially can be dangerous, like May or, or me or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I won't I won't go on about Connell because everybody's going to tell me to shut up soon. But um, I, I think he made a big difference. But but having these having a defensive midfield and a um, and a defender themselves actually score is, is fantastic. All right, Daniel. So two nil at half time, and um, yes, I guess your pre-match nerves will have been well and truly settled. We, but we do know that two nil is the most dangerous lead in football. Uh, cliche alert, um, which I think is a load of rubbish. To be perfectly honest, but anyway, yeah, you'd rather be two nil up than not. But it was almost three nil uh, right around the hour mark after a, a, a penalty was awarded for a Marius Hoybraten foul on Douglas Grolly. Yuya Yamagishi stepped up to take it, and wouldn't you know it, you posted in the line group, didn't you, that if if this gets put away, then uh, the game's pretty much put to bed. And um, classic reverse <laughs> reverse jinx fashion. I mean, you would never catch me <laughs> posting something like that, as uh, as you, you probably know, I'm, uh, I'm a terrible reverse jinx. And um, it turns out you have that power yourself because uh, while of course Shusaku Nishikawa is a is a tremendous goalkeeper the odds for penalties to go in are obviously very high but uh, Yamagishi basically fired it straight into Nishikawa's bread basket and uh, I guess from there you probably knew it was going to be a, a really really nervous uh, last half hour didn't you yeah yeah absolutely and look I've been an England fan for long enough to, to know that I shouldn't really um, you know, <laughs> penalties. It's, you know, it's, it's just asking for trouble. Um, but, but yeah, re- really, really, it should have been three 0 I mean, no, there's, there's not much excuse. You're right. You know, Yamaguchi. Put, put right, I think it was just to the to the right hand side of, of Nishikawa, and it was you know, it's a it's a, it's a sort of um, textbook save really. Um, and, it, and it was not a great penalty. But and as soon as and I'm, I'm sure we're going to go on to it, but obviously as soon as as soon as you missed that, um, the ball goes up the other end, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure we'll discuss what happened with with Ito later on. But um, yeah, I mean, when, when you when you start missing that, and at that point in the second half, Ural would start to put a bit more pressure on them. They obviously, you know, maybe realised at halftime that it wasn't quite going to plan for them. Um, there was a lot more pressure. They had a lot more of the ball. We miss a penalty, and you think, oh, here we go. This is this <laughs> this is just destined to be a, a three-two or something like that. But um, um, but going back to what, what you mentioned, Ben, with um, with Glory as well, that's another example when we were, we were talking about um, about um, my Mia scoring. I mean, obviously Glory didn't score here, but it was him. It was his run, um, mm. which which drew the penalty. Um, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's pretty fair to say Glory does a, a good job of getting the penalty, but um, but it was his run into the box, which you know relatively unexpectedly um, from his position usually. So that that was actually crazy opportunity. And unfortunately, I guess you didn't put it away, but it, it was it was great work from Grolly to get there in the first place. Yeah, I think that was my, my initial reaction is what what is Grolly doing up there? And that's really must <laughs> yeah. be the first time he's ever won a penalty by trying to go past an opposing defender. But I think he was someone I wanted to mention because when I was reviewing this, I remembered I think Avispa had a, a decent a decent start to the season, then they kind of fell away. But when I, when I actually checked, they, they fell away more than I thought. Cause I think between Rounds eight and eighteen of the the J one season, they were what one win in eleven, and then mm. in true Obispo fashion, they came back with five wins in a row. But can I, at that time, I think Grolly is thirty four now. He's been a thirty three, thirty four throughout the season. I kind of thought that there was a couple of times, a, a couple of cracks. Like, is he is this the start of the slide? Is he going to kind of go down towards the end of his career? 
Mm. It really, it seems like towards the back end of the season, he, he stepped it up again and he, he's looked from what I've seen to be as good as he's been over the past couple of seasons. And yeah, it's spectacular diet or, or, or spectacular theatrics to, to get the penalty, but just the shock of seeing them charging into the box really made the final for me, I think. Yeah, he, he did seem to, um, yeah, he, 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 he lifted up into the air quite a, quite a way, shall we say, when he, uh, <laughs> when he, when he was tackled. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. I think, um, he, he's, he's a key, he really is a key player for Rispa and, um, and yeah, I mean, he's obviously, you know, getting to that age where, where he's maybe not quite up, um, as, as strong as he was previously. But yeah, he, 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 he's, um, a key player. And I think it'll be, it will be a loss when he eventually he, um, he does, does, you know, move on or whatever, whatever happens in his career. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's been fantastic of late. Um, and, and yeah, and obviously the, the Levine Cup was, was a, was a highlight for him, I'm sure. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, we know, Daniel, that um, Shigetoshi Hasebe, the manager, has uh, experimented with a uh, a back four at times this year. So he hasn't always been able to get Grolli, Nara and Mia on the pitch at the same time. But uh, good to see that he, uh, I guess, rolled back the the years to uh, to get all three on the pitch. And uh, I mean, they're all heavily involved. As we said, Mia scored the second and Nara was the captain on the day and got to lift the cup. And yeah, Grolly, I'm sure he got a nosebleed being that high up the pitch and then uh, throwing himself that high up into the air. Uh, only uh, yeah, extended things. And uh, I don't know whether he was watching uh, Yuma Suzuki last week or not, but it's uh, uh, interesting that he, uh, yeah, flung himself into the air if he had have uh, do, been doing that as a tribute to humor i guess he would have um he would have done the break dancing salmon uh for uh, a couple more uh flings into the air but as it was yes uh, var bought it but uh, i guess we better address the elephant in the room and daniel you've already mentioned it yourself um yamagishi's penalty is saved by nishikawa the ball goes up the other end and atsuki ito is uh, well basically booted up into the air by uh, Yota Maijima with, uh, I think, Maya sliding in under Ito for good measure. But, uh, I mean, there's no doubt that the contact by, by Maijima was uh, fairly significant and prevented Ito from being able to get uh, his uh, his shot away. The, the contact comes from behind and I'm... Yeah, I don't think there's any uh, anybody who would even begin to suggest that Majima got a touch on the ball or anything like that that could justify what's what's happened basically. So um, yeah, in, in the cold light of day, uh, this looks an absolute stonewall penalty that I can't believe was not given. Um, we we've just established you already knew you're in for a uh, a very hairy last half hour. So when you see this happen live, I'm sure you think well that's got to be a penalty as well. Oh, I, absolutely. Uh, and as soon as I saw it, I thought that is a dead set penalty straight away. Um, <clears throat> there was a, there were a few replays. I managed to catch this on the um, the YouTube um, Internet the J League International YouTube site, um, and so they you know, they had a couple of angles. They, I watched it live, and then they they did the replay. Um, and from every angle I could see, it I would have given a penalty. Um, you know, I'll be completely honest. The the commentator on the channel and and. It's a bit of an aside, but sometimes I find the commentators on the on the J League YouTube channels have, you know, have some interesting views. Um, he seemed to think that for some reason Ito was going down outside of the area, um, but but even so, if that were the case, it would be a free kick presumably. So I don't I don't don't quite know how that plays into anything, but that that was the comment he made. Um, but yeah, look, I mean I, you know, I can't argue against that. I'm completely biased, but it was absolutely 
it, it was it was it, it would have been a penalty and if, if it had been down the other end I would have been up in arms and you know rightly so I think the fact that it didn't make the highlights package in the mm-hmm. Japanese version speaks volumes because they usually tend to leave controversial things like that out. I say interesting, John. The, um, the, uh, the the highlights. I noticed the the YouTube International um, the highlights, the extended highlights as they called them. But what was one minute twenty seven seconds, and they didn't include Yamagishi's penalty miss either. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, <laughs> very uh, selective in their choices of major incidents from the game then. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think we can um, we could say the Reds were very, very hard done to there. And, um, I mean, Ralph mentioned on the uh, on the line group that the, the VAR is um, a, a referee, Mr. Kasaharo, who is, uh, well, let's say very familiar to Reds fans and not their favourite uh, J-League official, uh, I think we can keep it clean like that and move on um, with uh, yeah with wrapping up the rest of the game. But yes, uh, uh, I don't think uh, when uh, Ralph saw the uh, the officiating crew in charge, especially uh, of the uh, the VAR deck, that uh, yeah he was especially optimistic that things were, were going to go Reds' way in terms of VAR decisions. So uh, as it was, um, yes, it remained two nil. Uh, just past the hour to Avispa. But uh, yes, Daniel knew that he was in for a properly hairy last 25 minutes or so. Uh, once Takahiro Akimoto made it to 2-1 with uh, 23 minutes of the 90 remaining. Uh, Akimoto had come on uh, just past the hour, replacing Yoshio Koizumi. And Johnny, I guess this wasn't uh, Masato Yuzawa's finest hour. He was, uh, yeah, uh, caught in between the ball and Akimoto, Akimoto chesting down and uh, uh, volleying past Takumi Nageishi to well set up what we uh, what we hoped, what we expected to be a a, a grandstand finish, uh, a well taken goal it must be said by uh, by Akimoto as well. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting when like in a one off game like this when it gets to that stage when Reds basically they have no option but to go other attack and Fukuoka quite naturally will will sit back and defend. That kind of mindset, Akimoto's just desperate to get there, whereas Yuzawa's a bit more cautious and cagey, and I think that really came across in that, that battle. So a wonderful cross-field ball from Hiroki Sakai, who I've actually seen subsequently, he, he got injured and he, he's had knee surgery, so he's going to be out for, for three months, like missing the, the run-in and the, the Club World Cup, etc. But fantastic cross-field ball from him, and yet Akimoto just wants it more than Yuzawa, and even though he gets in front of Yuzawa, he does really, really well to control it on the chest because it would be very easy under that kind of pressure to over-chest it and put it too close to the goalkeeper, but lovely chest down and then Nagaishi's coming out, puts it right between his legs. He, you can tell he used to be a forward in his Tochigi days, so he's, he's a very, very useful player, Akimoto, can play left-back, left-wing and, and sit centre-forward if, if he has to. So, you know, that, that I, mean, I guess is, is a common catchphrase today, but it won't we'll come on to, but and of what I've said in the past about Reds relying a bit too much on shots from outside the box. Here was an example of them getting the ball into the box, and all three goals in this game came from in and around the six-yard box, which is really where you can, you can do the damage. It, for Reds' point of view, unfortunately, didn't get there enough. But yeah, this was this was a this was the high point of the day. A really really great assist and a really great finish from Akimoto. Most definitely. And shortly after that, Daniel, uh, the uh, the hero of the day, Kazuya Kondo, had to go off. Um, after well, yeah, I think it was cramp, wasn't it? He was uh, unable to continue with uh, with with just under twenty minutes to go. And well, I mean, yeah, 
talk us through uh, your emotions then in, in the last 20 minutes, uh, especially when Jose Cante went close a couple of times, including uh, when he hit the post in in second half stoppage time. I mean, uh, you you hoped your side had done enough, and I mean, while um, while Reds were obviously pressuring your goal uh, towards the end of things, I mean, they haven't overwhelmed Avispa, who were, were able to. Well, for the most part, um, yeah, control the, the, the Reds threat. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kante's ball hits the inside of the post and goes in. Obviously, we go to extra time and, and anything can happen. But um, did you feel that uh, Vispa just about hung on and, and just about deserved it over the uh, the closing stages? Yeah, well, I think so. I mean, it was definitely squeaky bum time for sure. Um, and when they, when they put up eight minutes additional time, which was, was probably fair given them, um, you know, the, obviously the penalty and, and a couple of stoppages and VR and things, but and you know, can they hit the post in like 85 minutes? So, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's uh, I'll go back to the fact that I'm, you know, not an England fan here, so this is the sort of thing you just you know something bad is going to happen. But um, no, I think I think Vista held on really really well. Um, I think the whole game. I mean, it, they the team really worked hard, and I think there was there was no let up. I mean, obviously Ural were naturally pushing um, right at the last minute, but I think they, I think they overall, if we look at the whole the whole game, I think Avispa deserved deserved the win. I think they were definitely stronger in the first half, um, and they really weathered the storm in the second. So it, it was yeah, it was edge of the seat stuff, but I, I think it was the right result. And I, I'm saying in a non-biased uh, position, obviously. Mm. Yeah, fair enough then. All right, so uh, at at full time, uh, yeah, this tremendous scenes with the uh, Avispa players and staff. Uh, celebrating, as we said, a first major trophy for the club. And in the stands, uh, our Rob was there as well um, to uh, enjoy the day. And uh, huge congratulations to him as well. I know he's been to so many of the uh, Vispa games this year. And, uh, yeah, he must have been absolutely uh, made up uh, to be there for, uh, yeah, history to be made. And uh, I guess as we uh, as we move on and we can look at what this result means for a Vispa as a club, Johnny. I mean, they've uh, they've been a uh, uh, a member of the J League since 1996. Um, as we've said, this is a first major trophy for the club. So they've um, yeah they've been through the ringer. They've been up and down uh, numerous times uh, into J1, but uh, on uh, several occasions they've dropped straight back down. But um, as we've said in, in recent weeks, they've become a, a top flight staple. In, uh, in the last three years. So um, I guess this is the, the culmination of the, uh, the Shigetoshi Hasabe project that he's been building towards. And um, yeah, I mean, this first title, uh, it's, uh, it's a great reward for, for this manager who has, uh, has got so much out of, uh, of this squad and um, yeah, turned them into a, uh, a really consistent uh, J1 team, which they simply haven't been for uh, most of their existence. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Again, another post I saw on, on Twitter, I'm sure Mike and the Omea fans won't, won't particularly want me mentioning it, but I'm sure we're all aware that Omea went down to, to J3, or their relegation was confirmed last weekend. And I saw someone that actually posted, it was a, a picture from a Fukuoka game a, a few years back with, with Fukuoka fans complaining and, and signs up about the board and the way the club was going. And then you fast forward a few years and you know, I think two, two years ago, they're eighth in, in J1. And th- th- this season, I think, um, you know, like, but uh, barring something disastrously going wrong in the last three league games and something going really right elsewhere, they're going to be in the top half again. So two top half finishes in three years and a Levan Cup title. It really does show how things have, have turned around under Hasebe. And 
you know, it, it was something I was actually thinking like in the aftermath of this game because it, it's easy to kind of poo-poo or put put down the the Levan Cup, but if you if you break it down at the end at the end of the season, either Vissel or Marinos are going to win the league. Either Frontalia or Racer win the Emperor's Cup, and Fukuoka have won the Levan Cup. So only three teams out of of the 18 in, in J1 have have won titles, and um, basically most of the 15 that haven't won titles haven't really got anywhere close. So I think sometimes like if you follow European football and it's it's always the same one, two or three teams winning titles. It, you can get into the habit of thinking maybe it's a bit easier to win titles than it actually is. So although the Levan Cup doesn't ultimately lead to, like, it doesn't get you in the, the, the Asian Champions League or anything, I think to put that on the end of your season, like we've had a good solid league season, we haven't won it, but we have won the Levan Cup or we have won the Emperor's Cup. I think that really does put, put a, a kind of exclamation mark in the end of your season. And ultimately for Reds, that, that hasn't happened for them. For Fukuoka, it has, and it's, it's, really, it's really wonderful. And I think that that kind of leads me to the question I wanted to ask you, Daniel, about the, the expectations, because you know, I, I know, I apologise all the time to supporter fans, it's always my go-to example about them finishing fourth once, and that's almost a mistake to beat them with, but with Fukuoka, like, it, the fans' expectations, Daniel, is there, is there a section of fans thinking, oh, now we need to be challenging to get in the ACL in the league, or is there, like you said about, like, you know, England, or I was watching the Hanshin Tigers baseball once, I'm not, not believing it's over till it's over, are people expecting it to kind of fall away a bit next season? What is the kind of feeling around the place about the, the future, the, the upcoming years? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I joke sometimes on the on the line group about us going for an a, ACL position when we were up into to second place, I think, early on in the last Thursday <laughs> game or something, something like that. But um, I, th- I mean, I think that, that is a, that is a little, little bit optimistic. But I think um, I think the general sense at the moment is, is probably um, a matter of sort of solidifying ourselves as a, say, top half team, for one of the, one of the better word. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I, I know you don't, you don't want to be sort of satisfied with mediocrity, of course. But, um, um, you know, but, but, but at the same time, I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, compared to the, the likes of, you know, Vissel and, and Marinos and the like, I mean, for course, I still are a modest-sized club compared to, to those guys. Um, so I think I, I think the general sense is that again, if, if we can if we can sort of sit of ourselves top half and then pushing push, pushing for a bit you know for a bit higher. Um, mm-hmm. it, and, and if we've had some good results, it's, it's not as I don't think it's as if um, as if Avispa can't beat some of the bigger teams. I think it's just a matter of consistency. Um, I mean, the lead up to the Levane Cup. You know, we beat Nagoya in the semis. Apologies, Ben. FC Tokyo in the, in the quarters, and then, um, then had, a, had a group with um, uh, Kashima. I think actually Kashima and Kashiwa were both in. So, so that it's not as if um, they they can't beat the bigger teams. It's just a matter of being a little bit more consistent, and also some of those other games where they should get a result. Um, and again, I don't want to no, no disrespect to some, any other teams, but some of the games against maybe the likes of of Seanan or, or you know or your hammer or whatever where they maybe had a draw and they probably should have got a win i think that's the that's the kind of next step i think is maybe having that consistency and, and then moving onwards and upwards from there but keeping the base really solid um building on having a solid defense um some of the creativity like we've discussed already uh, th- that that's going to stand you in good stead to, to to move slowly upwards i think I think that's a really interesting point because you know, it, it seems like Fukuoka don't really change their system or don't really change the personnel like, like too much for, from year to year. And 
Uh, I know I mentioned Edie Gucci earlier, so he, he's only on loan. So I'm yeah. interested to see if if Fukuoka can actually get him permanently because he, he, there's always the danger, isn't it? Like when you perform as well and in a big cup competition, it sort of alerts other other clubs that might, might come in and try and take him away. Um, and then also we mentioned like like Drolly earlier. He's, he's still he's still got it, but he's, he's not getting any younger. So I, I think there will be a kind of need maybe to, to upgrade in a, a couple of positions. But it, it seems like Fukuoka they do play the, the kind of university market or the kind of players in J2 market. And I know I had an article I put up my blog a, a few weeks ago, or sorry, a few days ago actually, about like Ryotaro Araki, he, um, Kashima Antlers, would be the, the kind of player they might look to target in the kind of Kono Gucci mode of having previously been very highly rated and then something's kind of gone wrong. And Fukuoka can almost uh, give him a chance to to re- rebuild his career. So I think, yeah, the results that Fukuoka have got, like being in the top half, being, being quite a stable, well, well-run well club, winning winning trophies, I think that can only help to... Like, they're obviously not, they're not really throwing a lot of mounds of cash at like, signing Yuya Osako or anything like that, but I think that they seem like a very sensible, very, very well-run club that, that they're probably going to sign a few players that people outside of the, the club might not be... It won't be a like big splash in the pan signings, but I think that like like your Yoga Satos, I think they could be quite like quite or Connors, they could be quite quite subtle, quite quite smart signings. So I'm I'm pretty confident from the outside looking at Fukuoka, I think they're going to be quite a stable mid table, potentially pushing on club for the next kind of two or three years. And I would just add there, Johnny, as well. I think um obviously being outside of the the Kansai Kanto area, um you know there, there's probably a, a a slight element of, of having to try extra hard to, to attract some of the, the, the big names, um, you know, regardless of the money. I mean, Fukuoka is a, is, a, is a great place to be, and it's a, I'm sure it's a great place to live as a, as a football football player. But you, you're not in you're not in the middle of Tokyo. Um, you know, you are a little bit a little bit further away from from the centre of things. So that maybe adds a little bit of a, um, a bit of a factor when when trying to attract some of the bigger names. Yeah, I think as, as we, we we chatted last night, it's maybe an attraction for for people of, of my age um, to, to live <laughs> further out from the Kansai Kanto area. But maybe maybe I think me and John Steele have had a few chats about maybe players in their early twenties they want to be right in the heart of the of the action, don't they? Mm, yeah. Well, that was actually a point I was going to um, make with with both of you, though. I think. Um, in terms of our our audience and people who follow the J League, I mean, yeah, Avispa are kind of considered to be a, a small club, but I mean, really, they should um, they should be one of the, the the bigger fish when you consider the the size of the city. Uh, I mean, Daniel, as you well know, yeah, your your wife is from there, and I mean, it's uh, it's the biggest city uh, in the island of Kyushu. And Johnny, you mentioned a, a couple of weeks ago, obviously, that it's a, it's a baseball town. The uh, the SoftBank Hawks are the big ticket item in, in Fukuoka. But I mean, and and we've uh, we've said it earlier on in the season when uh, talking to Sa- uh, Sam about this, Daniel, and I know I know you. Uh, you heard our chat about the the crowd numbers at the best Denki. I mean, um, for me, Fukuoka should really be a, a sleeping giant of, of this of this league, and I think the, uh, something like this could propel them to um, to bigger heights uh, than than eighth. I think they should be able to um, uh, attract. Uh, better, well, better players is a, is a bit harsh, isn't it? Because the the, the squad have just made uh, the semi-finals of the Empress Cup and just won um, the Levan Cup, your first uh, your first trophy. And as we said, yeah, you're you're uh, 
a top half team this this season on merit. So when I say better better players, I mean um, you know maybe there will be some some names added to the squad, and hopefully they'll they will improve the squad. Um, but yeah, for me, um, the, the size of the city and the there has to be project. While you know um, you you're well aware, Daniel, that we haven't always been the most complimentary about the the style of play from Fukuoka. But I mean it's effective, and Hasabi's been building to this. As uh, as I said, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, and um, this really shouldn't take anybody by a, a great deal of surprise. I don't think that they've won this trophy because while they did slip in the league last year, they made the semi-finals uh, of this same competition and made the quarterfinals uh, of the Emperor's Cup. So they've they've literally gone one step better on uh, in both cups, and they've they've proven very hard to beat in uh, in these cup competitions. So. For me, yeah, um, don't want to pump your tyres up too much, as we know there is a uh, a bit of a, a, a rivalry in the in the line group, but uh, between Tokyo and Fukuoka. But yeah, I, I can see this as being a, a stepping stone um, to uh, well, yeah, better days ahead. I think for for Avispa if they um, if they get the backing uh, that Hasabe I think deserves, and and yeah, if they're able to splash a, a bit of cash on a couple of new signings, then. Yeah, eighth, eighth maybe should be the the floor for next season, and yeah, I think a a, a proper push for a, a first ever top flight top six finish is is well and truly on the cards. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Ben. I'll go to the point about the Fukuoka City. Um, I mean, I've been going backwards and forwards to Fukuoka for yeah, say seven or so years now. I think it is off the top of my head, um, and I've always been surprised, like you say, about a city of that size, and you know, it's, it's a nice place to be. There hasn't been as much recognition of um, recognition, sorry, of, of, of Avispa. Um, and you know, when I've when I've spoken to my, to my wife's family and, and, the, and the likes, and I've every time I've been in Japan, I've tried to catch as, as many games as I can. Um, they're always a little bit surprised, and and people have said to me, oh, you know, well, why don't you go and see Sopang Hawks? Because because they are so good. My, my limited understanding of baseball, because they are such a big team and they are so good. Um, that's the main focus. But but I've always always thought, um, why doesn't why isn't why isn't there a bit more promotion or, or maybe some um, I don't know, some of the PR around of this spot? I don't quite know how it works in, in Japan so much, but um, you know whether there's just more advertisements, there's more um, publicity around it in the local media. I'm, I'm not too sure, but it, it definitely definitely plays second fiddle to um, to SoftBank Hawks. And on on that one one interesting point, when I was um, when I was in Fukuoka in September this year, um, and a shout out to Rob. For um for entertaining me while I was while I was in Fukuoka we mm. we went to see um Avispa versus Nagoya in the league um, which Avispa won my ad one nil from uh, Wellington scored I think but I did notice at the end of that game they had a collaboration where they had the they had the um, Avispa mascot like Avikun and I don't know what the name of the SoftBank Hawks um sort of mascots are but there was a there was a collaboration at the end so at the end they sort of went around the went around the pitch and there was this you know sort of um, both sets of mascots taking photos together and all that sort of thing, and that might not sound like a big deal, but I remember, I don't know if it was last season or the season before, there was um, there was a bit of talk that um, SoftBank Hawks had been doing some some collaboration with Sagan Tosa for some reason, so that mm. they decided to do some sort of cross sport collaboration, and it, it was with the wrong team. Um, so I, I don't know how that had come about, but it was it was nice to see in September, yeah, a bit of say working together with SoftBank Hawks. But uh, yeah, to go back to the point, I really think that that they Fukuoka should be doing as a as a 
City, they should be doing a lot more to support the support the club. Um, and hopefully, with with the work Hasselbay's done and and their success, hopefully they can they can build on that. And there's a bit of interest, and you get bigger crowds and a bit more media attention. I guess maybe Hiroshima, like San Francisco Hiroshima, might might be a kind of club to, to mm. look at because again, Hiroshima is, is more of a baseball city than, than a footballing city. I think, but the, the carp are maybe not quite as strong as, as the Hawks. But you know, I think one thing with Hiroshima maybe that they've been in the top flight for a lot longer than, than Avispa, and they've obviously won titles. They've won J1 titles. That helps. But I think that might kind of be a pointer in the, the fact that if if Fukuoka can, as we are doing tonight, really milk this Levan Cup success. So we are we are a team that wins things because the, the Hawks were, were rubbish this year. They didn't win anything. So Avispa is the winning Fukuoka team this year. I think they should sort of milk that to the high heavens and and really try and get the, the, the city around a, a winning Fukuoka team. Uh, I think that that could be the the first step, ho- hopefully, for Fukuoka to really, yeah, I think uh, they're the seventh biggest city in, in Japan. So, yeah, they, they really should be able to, to, to hold a... Uh, you know, get 20,000 in in every week would be absolutely amazing and, and really up there challenging for the ACL. Hopefully, five, ten, fifteen years down the line. And, and when when uh, when we do well in the Levine Cup again, I can start singing. It's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So yeah, fantastic scenes at the National Stadium. And I've got a stat here that I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to butcher, but um, since. Uh, uh, Fukuoka came into the league in 1996, guys. They entered to make uh, the, the top flight, a 16-team league. They joined with Kyoto. And uh, since that year, 1996, uh, all of the other 15 clubs who were in J1 at that time had won a major trophy before Saturday. And Fukuoka are the last of those 16 clubs to have won a major trophy. I hope that makes sense, uh, mm. listeners. Uh, even Yokohama Flugels, who no longer exist, of course, they won uh, the Emperor's Cup in their final year of existence. Uh, so even they'd won a major trophy before Fukuoka did. So this this monkey is finally off Avispa's back. And, um, yes, they were able to celebrate and uh, fair play to them as well. Uh, again, unlucky for Reds. Uh, on another day, that Atsuki Ito uh, decision is a penalty, and who knows what would have happened. But uh, yes, um, uh, Fukuoka ultimately good value for their win, and as we've said, um, yeah, thoroughly deserved on the afternoon. Uh, Johnny, I guess, is hoping that the the Fukuoka buzz uh, is is short lived because his side, uh, his Gumba side, hosts Avispa on uh, on the weekend in J1 match day 32 as we segue guys onto a a brief look ahead to the uh, the weekend's top flight action of course there are three rounds left in the top flight season but as we well know the the J League is not the best at, uh, at building and ma- uh, maintaining atmosphere at the end of the season because uh, yes after we've just had a break for the Levain Cup final we'll have one round of league fixtures before a two week international break and then uh, the runway is finally clear for the season to end so uh, well yeah Johnny obviously Gumba hosting Fukuoka is not the the biggest game on the slate uh, on on Saturday when uh, six of the uh, the nine games for match day 32 will, will be played. But um, yeah, what uh, what else uh, do the listeners have to look forward to uh, on the the top flight slate this weekend? Well, fortunately for us, the J League have at least separated that the bottom three are all playing on Saturday and the top three are all playing on Sunday. So, you know, look, looking at the Saturday's fixtures, you've got Shonan hosting Nagoya, you've got Kashiwa away to Kashima, and you've got Tosu, uh, so you've got Yokohama FC away to Sagan Tosu. Uh, three very interesting fixtures because 
I can't see all three teams winning, but I can't see all three losing. So I think we're going to have some movement. And also, it's interesting, you know, Kashiwa, uh, the, the highest ranked at the moment, 16th place with 30 points. They've got what would look to be the hardest fixture. Um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned before, I, I could see Kashiwa going to Kashima and getting a draw. But you probably feel after they, they've kind of dropped points against Kawasaki, Recently, they really will feel that they'll have to take the game slightly to Kashima, which is what Kashima will want and which they'll, they'll play off of. So I, I, I could see Kashima getting a draw or potentially a narrow defeat there. Shonan hosting Nagoya. Again, this is quite a dangerous game because Nagoya, they, they seem to be drifting and kind of falling away, but then they are still fifth in the league. So they're not, they might be quite easy to hold to a nil-nil, but they're not an easy team to beat. So again... If Shonan become desperate and ragged and the game goes longer at nil nil, you could see Nagoya picking them off and, and getting a, a kind of killer late winner. I, I would say I think Shonan, mm, because they're at home, they may have the best fixture out of the three three teams in the bottom three. Yokohama FC again, Sagantosa, as we were talking about last time, Masters have been outplayed by getting something from games. So. Uh, again, this is the kind of game you can see Yokohama FC like, pounding Sagantosa for 70 minutes, getting a goal, and then Sagantosa equalising with five minutes to go. So, yeah, I think the only thing I feel confident about, about saying is that I think we'll see some movement. It won't be that two point from 16 to 17, two point from 17 to 18. And of course, as we keep mentioning, and it keeps getting pushed back and back, that round 33 game between Yokohama FC and Shonan, these games will, will help to set up that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing those three. And, and also, if, if Fukuoka, I hope the players have been, enjoyed copious amounts of alcohol and partying all, all week. Because <laughs> Gamba have only got Hiroshima and Visel Kobe after this. So we're really looking at Fukuoka turning up holdover as our, as our best chance of getting some points before the end of the season. But, you know, Daniel, this is your, you haven't been on for, for a while this, this season. So what, what do you make of the, the bottom three and how do you see these, these fixtures panning out on Saturday? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I think, um, I think you're probably right, Johnny, when it comes to Shonan. But I mean, I, if, if I'm honest, I had um, Nagoya as winning the league in my J print, so I've got absolutely no idea, clearly. <laughs> um, but, but I think, I think you're right. I mean, I, 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 th- I think that Shonan could potentially, could potentially get something there. Um, as you say, with, with Sargantos and, um, and Yokohama, it's, it, I, I think that's a very, very hard one to call. I, I really wouldn't want to say where that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, clearly, obviously, we're going to beat Gamba. That's that's a that's a deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I, otherwise, I, I wouldn't want to put, put too much money on some of those those results in the bottom half. It's it's I think it's a little bit it's a bit too tight. And, and as you say, depending on um, you, you know sort of which team turns up on the day, it's it's really hard to say. I wouldn't want to be betting on any of those. Yeah, well, I've got to hold my hands up as well, Daniel. I mean, uh, I um, I guess I ignored how well Vispa did in the Cups last year, and I thought, yeah, second season syndrome uh, had uh, had struck uh, hard at Vispa, and I thought you might be down in amongst the dogfighters this season. But there you go, well and truly on my face as uh, Fukuoka are flying six points clear of of my uh, underachieving FC Tokyo team. So uh, yeah, again, shows how much I know. But uh, yeah, a, a three way battle down at the bottom and uh well yeah we'll see how things go over uh, over the weekend and as johnny said yeah they're all playing on saturday so that i guess uh, whets our appetite 
for Sunday and a, a couple of barn burners. Uh, well, talking about unexpected positions in the league after what happened uh, at Kobe last year, Daniel, I, I don't think anybody, uh, well, almost nobody expected Vissel to be as high as they are, uh, let alone yet yeah, uh, top of the pile for uh, for most of the season. But uh, yeah, after a draw last week, uh, maybe the uh, the wheels have started or the bolts on the wheels have started to loosen. Uh, I don't know what the the best analogy is really, but uh, whether they've started to have a wobble or not, we'll uh, I guess we'll really find out on uh, on Sunday afternoon when uh, Kobe travel to Urawa because uh, yeah Reds will be smarting after uh, Saturday's result um yeah we don't know what's going to happen uh, uh, on uh, or Wednesday night when they face uh, Pohang in the ACL so uh, whether they're coming off a positive result in the ACL or um yeah whether the uh, qualification automatic qualification for the ACL uh, knockout stage might be out of their hands uh, by the time they uh, they host Kobe on Sunday, so uh, it's uh, yeah, Reds their situation is, is very unpredictable. While Kobe have had a, a full uh, couple of weeks to prepare for this game, while uh, Yokohama F Marinos host Cerezo Osaka, who, as we all know, are kings of inconsistency, um, usually in and around the top six in J1, but um, you literally don't never, never know what sort of a Cerezo side is going to front up. Uh, they're capable of uh, terrific performances. But, yeah, the the situation at the top then, it's uh, it's just as uh, as murky and as cloudy as the one down at the foot of the table, Daniel. Yeah, and as you, as you say, Kobe, uh, Kobe's um, sort of you know, changing in form from last season has been that's been miraculous, if anything. Um, and, I'm, and I'm not really clear what it's all down to. To be honest, I mean, I know a lot of people have have spoken on the podcast and all things have been written, but I'm I'm not sure in my mind how they've managed to turn this around. Um, I, I mean, if I was again, if I if I were a, sort of a betting man, as it were, I, I think I think still think at this stage. Marinos are looking pretty good for it because I mean maybe it's a bit of a recency bias, but their um their four 0 win against us, which I think probably flattened them slightly, but they they were really good. Um, mm. And I don't watch, I don't watch Marinos an enormous amount, I'll, I'll be honest, but um but they they were they were really good in that game. They were really impressive. Four um, 0 might have been a little bit too much, but but they were you know they but they looked everything they they should be. Um, so yeah, if I, I if I were to, to have to put money on um on the champions, I, I would probably go Marinos at this stage. But, but as I say, I had Nico in my j so I've got no idea. I think one, <laughs> one thing to factor in as well is the, the, the goal difference, which is still five in, in favour of Vissel. So, you know, mm. if, if Vissel can go to Urawa and get, get a draw ball for Marinos, say, beat Cerezo, neither of which is, is, is guaranteed, but that, that would still leave Vissel um, with, with their hardest game out of the way. They would still be ahead on goal difference, but... You know, as Daniel said, and we've mentioned previously, Marinos do have have the experience that they're the defending champions. Of, you know, just they've just eked out a, a two-one win over over Kaya in the, the Champions League. So if they've come through that without getting any more defensive injuries, and they can at least get get eleven players out out in the field ready to go for for Cerezo, you'd think they could eke out a one-nil victory even against a tough defensive side like, like Cerezo. And Vissel, you, you never know because, you know, we're talking about the, the turnaround this year. I, I was actually surprised looking through my, my May camp because Vissel were below Shonan last season and then they're they're rocking up in completely the other ends of the, the table uh, last week. But it, it might be a case of, you know, they go to Reds and there's le- less pressure in a way because Reds are a big team at home and they're the third in the league. But 
Uh, on the other hand, as, as you mentioned, you know, with the, the, the ACL, if, if they essentially if they, if they lose, then they're basically done with the ACL. And then if the Levan Cup was gone, they're basically fighting for third. Because again, a, a negative result against against VCL opens the door to Sam Fredchie potentially overtaking them. So you know, they, they'll probably come out all guns blazing against VCL. So I mean, if it was to pick. Just watching one game, I would I would advise the viewers to watch Reds v because I think that's the most fireworks. Whereas Marino Cerezo is very important to the title race, but might not be as exciting a game if, if that makes sense. But I'm going to be trying to do a Sam Robson for for an hour and trying to watch two games at the same time. And I I would also recommend if if people have access to such things to to do that as well. Well, that's right. Yeah, you can watch the uh, the first out, uh, the first half of uh, F. Marino Cerezo unimpeded, Johnny, and then yeah, you've got to uh, yeah, left eye on uh, one screen and right eye on the other once uh, yeah, Reds Vissel kicks off at three o'clock on Sunday. So uh, yeah, it uh, promises to be a, a fascinating round, uh, as we said, over two days of the weekend. Then, of course, we'll take a another break for uh, internationals, uh, World Cup qualifiers. Get going for Japan as they host Myanmar and also play Syria away. Uh, that squad will be announced, listeners, by the time uh, this podcast is released. I'm almost certain on Wednesday afternoon. So we won't uh, worry about uh, speculating on if there'll be any bolters or not in uh, Hajime Moriyasu's uh, newest squad because, uh, well, yeah, I think we're pretty uh, much... Uh, of uh, in agreement that there there won't be, and that the players that are featured in uh, in recent squads under Moriyasu will uh, yeah their their faith uh, his faith will be in them again as uh, Japan kick off uh, their uh, qualification uh, phase for the next World Cup. So with uh, with all that taken care of, then uh, we will leave it there. And again uh, to to Daniel and to Johnny, I'll apologise for all the uh, the problems on Monday night, uh, and uh, thank you for uh, yeah popping back on on Tuesday and uh, again Daniel a huge congratulations uh, it was uh, yeah a wonderful occasion for all Fukuoka supporters a long time coming but uh, yes it's celebrated with gusto and uh, yeah deservedly so so uh, thanks for joining us on this episode of the pod um, yeah enjoy the celebrations as they continue and uh, yeah well we'll uh, good luck to Fukuoka for the rest of the season yeah, thanks, Benny. Thanks for, um, for having me back. Um, I hope I haven't rambled too much. Um, but no, it's, 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 I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about Avista and um, in, in such good circumstances as well. Yeah, fantastic. Obviously, as we've said, Johnny, you hope the uh, the good times uh, stop for Avispa on a Saturday afternoon. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, we're uh, we're uh, full of praise for uh, Avispa on this episode. So yeah, once again, well done to them. And uh, yeah, enjoy this uh, this round of uh, of top flight action. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, reconvene next week to uh, to run the rule over all of it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great to catch up with it with Daniel again, and you know, Fukuoka, the kind of team that, that slip under the radar. So it was good to put a bit of a, a spotlight on them for for a change. And yeah, also you, you don't need to apologise too much because we had a massive thunderstorm in Osaka last night, and I managed to get home before it started, which wouldn't have been the case. So yeah, so, so something good came out of last night, and it's been good catching up with you guys. So please, please take care. All right, then. Thanks, Johnny. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week's episode of the JTalk podcast. Uh, Johnny and I would like to thank Daniel Hawkins once again for his time on this episode. We'd like to thank our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. And listeners, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back next week to round up J1 Match Day 32. Speak to you then. Bye for now. 
the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes.